Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience revelatory teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Well, welcome back to another powerful week of the Paula Price Show. This is Prophet Ashley, and we're kicking it off today just recapping on what just happened to us with Dr. Price in the last week of our broadcast. We have had organic Christianity. We were talking about uh, making a case for organic Christianity <laughs> is, is what uh, she broke down even last night on AB, or Tuesday night, I'm sorry, because this is now Thursday, on the ABCs of Apostleship 2, making a case for organic Christianity last Thursday. What makes a prophet get it wrong? How to deliver a false prophecy? Can somebody tell me who has the boldness but Dr. Price to address how to deliver a false prophecy? Up, she addressed spiritual blunders and, and all kinds of things, breaking it all the way down into Micah chapter 2, and we, our heads were spinning. Our heads were, well, my head was spinning, okay? And then, of course, making case for organic Christianity, talking about what organic really is, only real God, authenticated nourishment in Christ. That would be Dr. Price for you, coming up with an acronym for Certified Organic Christianity. That's been our problem. We've gone inorganic. We're full of preservatives and additives and fillers and, and all kind of things that make us hooked on this culture and reject the Lord Jesus Christ. When you eat enough processed food, you don't like the taste of organic anymore. It's boring. It's bland. It's blah. And that's what we have been saying about our Christianity. Oh, traditional church is boring. It needs to get modern. We need to have lights, camera, action in order for our Christianity to be more palatable. As a result, in many of these places, they've lost the true essence and richness of their salvation in Christ and have, in fact, migrated away from it. So we have the filler foods, the attitude saints, and <laughs> and you broke into how God didn't build Satan to quit. He built Satan to see if you'll quit. Man, oh, man, oh, man. She was powerful on that. And she said that Satan is like quality assurance for God. We're going to see what you're made of, referring to Job. And how that whole test was to see what kind of quality, well, if he, if he was now, we'd say Christian, uh, but, you know, Christian was Joe. How devoted was he to the Lord Jesus Christ? And when people train you in the truth, you feel powerful, which is why we, as apostolic Christians, following the one that God has anointed for this, Dr. Paul Christ, we can, we, everybody says, I feel so powerful in my walk with God. I feel strong. I feel revived. I have direction. Uh, My passions have come back with the Lord. That is when you know you have been feasting on organic Christianity. (laughs) So I I don't even know what's going to happen today, okay? I don't even know, but I am excited. And then um, are you operating in heresy or hearsay? Actually, she said, are you operating in hearsay gospel? which is what our assessment actually pinpoints if you are susceptible to following hearsay versus recognizing the authentic truth. And now, without further ado, I had to do my intro. Um, Dr. Price couldn't stop me today. I just jumped in and took over. 
And so here she is, ready for you. <laughs> well, I have to tell you that I appreciate Prophet Ashley. I keep telling her I'm grooming her for the future. You know, the person that you trust to speak in your stead, speak in your place, sit at your desk, sit in front of your public or justice, is a person that you have a lot of confidence in. And I do have great confidence in this woman of God. Um, you know, she's been on a, a number of tracks because in my world, if you're going to be close to me, we're, we are not single-dimensional. We are multifold, <laughs> multifold, multifaceted, and we're just multi, multi. So because the goal is that we get you to multiply. So she's been on her AIT, Apostle in Training Program. She is actually in my inductee program where we induct people into the commissioning track. We don't just throw our hands on people because the Bible says lay hands on no man suddenly, and that word suddenly actually means impulsively or rashly or thoughtlessly and so, or hastily. And so God has those words for us. Suddenly means, you know, rashly, hastily, thoughtlessly, you know. And so um, we don't do that in my organization. We have a step between you've been discovered and you have arrived called the probation or inductee or training. We have several tracks. And so she's been on the track so that by the time she hits uh, her 20-year marker with me, is that right? We were just discussing. will be 19. 19 years marker with me and your, what, that, that, that leadership range birthday. Yeah, I'll be 40. She'll be 40. And yeah. I know, and boy, can God preserve somebody else once you try to know that by the time she hits that level, she will be a commissioned apostle under near New Era Apostleship Restitution. I also have six more, is it six more like her in the track? So I, and, and during that time, during that inductee period, they have to do an inordinate amount of documenting and verifying and corroborating of God's call on their lives. So there are trainings, there are lectures, there's projects, presentations, because before they are commissioned, they must produce documentation that becomes a matter of public record that they were A, commissionable, B, they were commissioned trained, and C, they are commissioned verified. So that is not something that they have to defend. They will never have to defend their apostleship on anointing, on charisma, on instinct, or private calling in the prayer closet. We don't have prayer closet commissionings at all. Now, I know people do, and that's fine. And, uh, but not these, those that will come through near and those that are going to bear my seal and my mark. So they have quite a project, and I am proud of them, so proud of them, for submitting to it, even though they don't have to. But then, you know, great people submit to the process of excellence to stay on the excellence track and then to produce excellence in God. Great people do that. And so I'm excited with these people. We're having a wonderful time, and they're delivering, and it is no joke. And they were all apostles when they came, except two. They were all two AITs, <laughs> and then one near, and then the rest of near commissionees. And so they were apostles when they came. And the reason that this is important, at least for as far as we know and as far as we see, is because we want them to step in ready to uh, ready to do the job. OJT trying to figure it out how to think, how to process, how to answer questions, how to 
debate and confront how to defend the faith. I mean, many people don't realize Paul spent the lion's share of his apostleship defending Jesus Christ, defending the faith, defending the new God that has just stepped in and knocked out every other one. And so he spent the majority of his time doing that. And he was articulate because of the years of training that he had before he met Jesus Christ, his trips to heaven, his classes. Because remember, Paul was not in the 12 apostles' classes. He was not there. Judas was found out to be a counterfeit, and then so he self-destructed. And Matthias was appointed by the apostles. So those apostles that were with Jesus firsthand became the guardians of, of the entire commission. They became the guardians of the kingdom, the guardians of the faith, the guardians of its doctrine, and also the developer of that doctrine. They distilled that doctrine so that the churches could have it. And so I'm excited about her. We have a similar program for prophets, and they're willing. You know, great people will wait. Great people will wait for the precious fruit, and the hasty will just snatch it when they can. And so when you know you have something good, your good is raw, you understand if you're meant to be at the top, if you recognize your good, your natural talents are raw, you immediately look to refine them, to perfect them, to polish them so that they can withstand the reason God called you to do something. So these are some powerful people. I'm excited about them. And I, I just, for some reason, felt led of God to take this opportunity to bless him for them. So within the next year or two, they will be ready to present their commission portfolio and to show how and why and to what extent God made them his apostle in this era, under this new era, apostleship, restitution. Isn't that great? I've never talked about that before, Ashley. I can't even believe I never did. I know. <laughs> I know, Ashley, because like, I'm living it. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> well, we have about 35 to 40 hours of homework a month mm-hmm. of Dr. Paula Price homework. And um, you do walk away from each assignment, you know, once you pull yourself back together, accepting you are that much more equipped to be successful in the job. You said to us 17 years ago, one of our first books to praise meetings when the praise team was first started, I don't prepare for my fans and people who love me. I prepare for my enemies, my critics. And so you teach us all through this training how to prepare for those who are going to oppose us. Exactly. And not for those who are going to love us. Well, because if people love me, forgive you. You know, they don't. They don't even. They're not looking for them. But the people who hate you can't hear your excellence. And so that's you know that's really where we are right now. So my attitude is, I write. You know, that's price. Why do you write? Why do you write what you do? Why do you thoroughly do this? Why do you research? Why do you dig? You know for a fact, I'm researching something just about every day of the week. And uh, you know, she can tell you that firsthand because there's just that much to know. Why? Because right now, every apostle hitting the scene to death has got a one major enemy called culture. And although culture is a sweet little word that just sounds like we're refined, we're sophisticated, we're modernized, that is not the root of the word culture. The word culture comes from the word cult, from which we get cultists, from which we get our word cult. All right? So, and it actually pertains to the religious 
practices, rituals, and community of a deity. So while you're being a culture-crafted Christian, you are literally also becoming an antichrist Christian because culture is anti-Christ. Now, it would be very difficult for you to understand this if we weren't living in such proof. Today, it's proof. People are posting thoughts on Christian sites as Christian ministers that are flat out, flagrantly anti-Christ. And God just told me, I said, well, God, what's what he said? They're the antichrist. He said, they're looking for the antichrist outside. And there's, you know, we're marking the beast, this one over here. And there is no, no question about the reality of that being the case. But you need to ask yourself, are you an antichrist Christian? Because if you're a Christian of culture, and if you're a culture Christian, a Christian that culture has comforted, conformed, and converted rather than cast out, then you are an antichrist Christian. You are against Christ. You hate his thoughts. You hate his words. You hate his will. You hate his imposition. You hate his authority. You hate it. And he said that. He said, you know, there are enemies of the cross, antichrist Christians. He said he had adversaries. He had imposters. He had those who, who, whose God is their belly. He talked about that very clearly in the scripture. And so some of you are antichrist Christians, and you didn't plan to be. You did not wake up and get saved and say, I'm going to be an antichrist Christian. I'm going to be a Christian that stands against Christ. Anti means against Christ, against Scripture, against orthodoxy, against the, the, the true church, against apostles, against apostles, a prophet, anything that is part of the authentic package that God Almighty himself sent from heaven to earth against the Holy Spirit. That is antichrist. You didn't mean to be. You're against authority of scripture. You're against the leaders telling you what to do. You're against righteousness. You're against morality. You're against holiness. You're against purity and modesty. Those are antichrist beliefs. And somebody needs to let you know that before he pops up on the outside, he will find favor in the church. And that's where the antichrist is right now. He's finding favor and garnering favor faith and garnering followers in the church because the best way to take out a castle, a stronghold, is from the inside out. So he starts by getting inside the individual believer, and then those believers move into being ministers. So now he's on the inside of the ministry, and then he moves forward from the ministries to the pulpit and the messages. And before you know it, you have been fully converted to antagonize Jesus Christ. And your culture has celebrated you, is lauding you for it. Not lauding, but that too, but lauding you for it. You're being applauded for, for, for being a free Christian, for being unencumbered, for being anti-biblical, and for being unscriptural. You are applauded for that. The world is paying you to do that. Now, some of you did not intend to do that. You didn't intend to be an anti-Christ Christian. You didn't intend to be carnal, and you certainly didn't intend to be culture, because cultural Christian is the new word for carnal. Culture and carnal, in God's mind, are synonyms. But you didn't plan to do that. That wasn't what you planned. You, you were that little kid that grew up with your grandmother praying 
holding your hands, making you read the scriptures, making you speak, not talk, you know, handle your Bible, making you learn the learn the words. You have to learn the beatitudes. You have to learn the 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 ten commandments. You have to learn how to love your neighbor. You have to you have to sing in the choir. You have to stand and pray and and listen to the pastor. You had to go to Sunday school and Bible class and 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 all of those things. Your parents probably raised you in a very rich spiritual culture, but Satan didn't call it rich. He called it rigid. He called it rigid because like Job, he couldn't break their hedge around you. And because he couldn't penetrate the hedge of your your heritage, you were well versed in in the rules and in the, the mannerisms and the behaviors and the cultures and observations of Christianity, but all the while he poked your spirit and caused you to stew against it. And you fumed and you didn't like it. And you vowed, when I get older, I'm out of this church, I'm out of Jesus, I am doing Jesus, I am not doing that, I will not be religious, and all of that. And as soon as you got old enough, you broke your own hedge. You broke the hedge of your heritage. And when you broke your hedge, you, like, a, like an open window, in a hot room, people get hot and they say, I want to let in fresh air. They go to their window if they don't have an air conditioner. Uh, they go to their window and guess what they do? They open up their window and air blasts in and they cool down. What they don't see are all the other invisible and perceptible things that come in through that open window. And sometimes they see the bugs come through. They can see the, 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 the squirrels or whatever trying to get in. And so you have to recognize you broke your hedge, and when you did, you became fair game for every spiritual anything. And because you had already dumped your mind of what you were raised in, because it was religious, it was rigid, etc., you had no defenses because you put yourself and your faith on the open market. So you had, you know, you, you had this open-air market for your faith. And people, they proposed, you had bids, you did all of that, trying this, testing that, and even going to the whole extreme of irreligion, and some of you atheism. And then God brought me back because God said, none to snatch them out of my hand. He brought you back, but he retrieved a contaminated product. He retrieved a, a, a stained and confused, muddled product. No, not everybody who is fighting for the Antichrist even knows that they're doing so. The others don't intend to. There are a lot of them that only know how to fight this way, being totally oblivious to the reality that they're fighting against the Christ they love. So this is not a statement that says, Boom, if you don't do this, all that, no, this is not that kind of statement. But this is a call to wake up. This is a plea. I'm presenting a case, pleading with you all to think differently because you might be fighting against God. Gamaliel said that to the, the, the Jews in the Sanhedrin who were fighting the 12 apostles. Now, he said nothing. No, yes, he did. He said one word about Jesus's ministry and Jesus' uh, crucifixion. He said, well, it is the fitting that one should die for the whole. So he understood, even if he didn't always agree with, he understood heaven's cosmos. He understood heaven's process. 
and, and heaven's regiments for bringing salvation to the nation. So he said that. But now Jesus is gone. The Holy Spirit has come. The apostles are standing in his place. And now they, they're in jail. They do one miracle. Next thing you know, they are in prison. And so he says, you know what? You need to leave this alone. Because God was getting them out of jail and shaking up stuff and whatever. So they was like, wait a minute, maybe we need to look at this differently. Because they were not going quietly into the night. They were standing up and they were fighting and they were angels were getting them out of jail and they were being empowered and souls were it was it was it was a really powerful time as God shifted the earth from the powers of pantheons and, and polytheistic deities and pagans to the monotheism and dominion of its rightful heir. In other words, God was giving the planet back to his son. Oh, somebody, I don't have a second. Where's my cloth? Hallelujah. That's why I have a cloth, so I don't scare you half to death. <laughs> but think about it. The whole of Pentecost, the whole of the church. See, as far as the, the, the basic Christian today is concerned, Pentecost is about birthing the church and making Christians. But for the apostolic, for the apostle and prophet, the Pentecost was about giving the world back to its rightful heir. All of Jesus' parables had some element of that objective in it. She's getting ready to throw it at me, guys. Are y'all ready? Come on, talk it. Talk it at me. Yay. Ha! Now, back on. Okay. So here's this, because we're going in a direction in God that the world is going to be stunned about. Now, if God did that, then there were only less than 20,000, 25,000 Christians in existence by the time he, we got to, you know, the thing God in sweat. What do you think he's doing today? God has already, already given the work to the Lord. You know, second Psalm tells you what's going on, you know? The nations of this world have, have imagined a vain thing, and they are fighting against our Lord and his Christ. This is Jesus' inheritance, and I don't care what the devil says. I don't care about the delusion. He's supposed to lie. He's supposed to persuade you not to want it because he himself is hunting for his own populace. He's hunting for his own subjects. So he is not going to tell you the truth, but it is our job to get the truth to you. So here we are. God did all that he did on Pentecost to take the, he literally sent Jesus in the person and in the being of the Holy Ghost in his entire realm. He sent God, sent his son's realm to the planet, and he sent us as, as citizens of that realm. That's why before we started talking about Christians and before we started talking about, you know, church, we talked about citizens of heaven citizens of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Christ over and over again because the Son of God was being awarded and rewarded with a whole new planet, one that he had that he had to retrieve. And so he goes, what we see when he said the end of the age and the end of the time, all of that retrieval was the finishing touches to pass possession of the earth from the gods of this world, from the princes of this world, from the prince of darkness to the prince of life, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a fact in God's realm. I don't care about all the other stuff. That is a fact. 
That is not a, a, a statement that we're trying. That is a fact. That's a statement of truth. But when, when and Jesus said it, he said he knew what it was about. We serve God blindly. He did not incarnate ignorantly. He knew exactly what was at stake. Every step he made was to make sure the plan, everything happened according to plan. The plan played out the way God prepared it. He did all of that to make sure that there would be nothing, nothing to contend his takeover of the world and assumption of power. They did not have a transfer of power. They had an assumption of power. Jesus assumed power. He took the reins because it wasn't willingly given to him. He had to have it. And in the court of eternal justice, the battle was won. Jesus comes out as the hero. He comes out as the winner, and it's his. And so God said, now you can reproduce. Now go and reproduce your subjects. Build your realm. And that's what this is all about. And so for 2,000-plus years, he has done just that. He has populated his realm with spiritual citizens. And he's established the, the entity, a body on earth called the church, the ecclesia called out one. And the first church was not a religious entity. It was a political one. And the whole word, the whole word comes from a political entity a community of citizens who were empowered to have a say in government and to vote on various issues. If you get my, my, series, uh, my series entitled uh, The Pattern of the Ecclesia, there is, I think it's three tapes or three audios. I'm dating myself, but three audios. But if you get that, the church's role and duty would make sense. And then you'll understand why I'm using words like, Antichrist Christians. We have anti-Christian Christians. We have anti-Christ Christians. I want to say it again and again because I want it to ring out there in the atmosphere. I'm coining that phrase. I'm coining it because you don't know what the problem is. And, and all cultural Christians are anti-Christ. They, don't, they may not intend to be. Some of them inherited it. They inherited it from, from their parents. They inherited it because the other side of the coin are those children whose parents, who were the children of parents who were raised under a powerful Christian heritage who broke their hedge and then redefined Christianity according to what they could tolerate, according to what they could stomach. And so those parents raised you up to think that God's not important and family's first and never put your children on an altar and you don't have to dress a certain way and you don't have to be religious and this is legalistic and all of the things that they couldn't conform to, they liberated themselves from and then passed on to their children, their generations, that new form or cultural form of Christianity. You know, there was a phrase that came into uh, popularity when I first got into God and coming from the world that I came from. I never liked the phrase. I never liked the term. But I realized that it was popular, and it gained, it gained a lot of momentum. Christians bought into it, schools bought into it, Bible schools bought into it. And then I never got that it, that term has now become the new one, and that term was Christian worldview. See, Christian worldview. What Christians didn't make the world. God did. And so from Christian worldview, we, had a, we, we created an entire canvas for a, a word mosaic that, and, and, you know, a word cloud that, that could redefine Christianity. Today, Christian worldview has become culture. Christian culture. Now, I don't care what the world says about, well, well, you know, well, that's what we call you. We were not born on earth. We were sent to earth 
in the spaceship called the Holy Ghost. We work in the entire embodiment of God, and he sent us to earth to embody in the, the mortal vessels that we're walking in. So we, are, we were never born on. Christianity always existed. Paul talks in Hebrews 12 about the assembly or the ecclesia in heaven. We always existed. We were, re, we were extended. I won't even say relocated because we were extended. We were extended from heaven to earth, which is why sometimes we, can, we have this sense of being in heaven, being with God, and we don't know why, and we don't know how. So I would say to those of you who were the parents of Antichrist Christians, the founders of anti-Christian beliefs and practices, then I would say to you, you inherited an errant form. You inherited a false doctrine, a false Christ, a false faith, and you didn't intend to do it. So, Dr. Price, why am I doing this? What am I doing? Well, here's the thing. You would never know unless someone tells you. You know, until someone tells you, you have no idea that what you're serving is another God, another Christ. You know, and I have that conversation all the time. I have that effect on people. And I've had that effect on people from the time I got saved and got filled with the Holy Ghost. I never knew the problem was. And it's taken me all of these years to realize that when you talk truth, you're talking organic. When you talk organic, you're talking truth, undiluted, unperverted. When you look at that, everything in Scripture talks about organic faith, unperverted, unpolluted, unconverted, undiluted. Uh, All of that is speaking to a pure product, received with meekness, the sincere word of God, which is able to save your soul. What does that mean? That means that an insincere word will cost you your soul. You know, and so having the strong meat of the word that is testified, you know, we can say we got a deep word in our church. It's not deep in God's definition if it doesn't build your your sense of God's righteousness. If, if it's not deep, if it doesn't cause your righteousness to be so exercised that it can discern both good and evil. There are real markers in Scripture. There are real markers in the Bible that have nothing to do with the evangelistic message or the love thy neighbor thing that has taken over as the Christian worldview. It has nothing to do with that at all. Now, there might have been a time when all of that was necessary. I certainly don't know enough about it at this point to say, but I do know that the Christian worldview has laid the red carpet off for Christian culture or for the cultural Christian and the culture crafted Christian as well. The Christian that has been crafted by culture instead of converted to Christ. And the more that we have relaxed the lines, the more we have literally converted Christians to anti-Christianity and anti-Christ Christianity. We've done that. And we've done it, first of all, the number one step was to take away the Bible. Let me tell you something. Daniel, we like to use Daniel, and we pick and choose the pieces we want to use about Daniel. Like, you know, because many of the, the, the traditional people won't say Daniel prophet. I don't even understand that. But they'll call him something else. Or they'll just ignore the fact that he was a prophet in high government because that's exactly what he was. He was a prophet who was on the advisory staff of the king, not just a religionist, not just a scholar, not just a, a shepherd, not just a, a lawyer, uh, what do you call it, a lawyer, but a literal prophet who was on the staff, the highest staff of the king of the land. Now, Daniel was being trained. 
and he was being trained for his position. He did not know where he was going to turn out. He was one of the exiles, but he was an exile who was snatched or abducted or, uh, I want to say, uh, deported from the palace as opposed to the community. So he was he was part of the palace staff. And if you're part of the palace staff, people know you don't typically work in palaces unless you're smart, even if you don't act like it, or high-born or of a particular category or class of citizen. So Daniel was, and Daniel and his three, um, his three friends um, were all deported to Babylon. And so because that is, now here's something interesting that we don't realize. The, the officers, the officials that were sent to bring them to Babylon had to evaluate them so that they could make recommendations to the king about who could do what, who had what potential, etc. They had to interview them in, in order to evaluate them. I know we think that they were just snatched out, but that's not what happened. When, I mean, once the land had fallen into the hands of the king of Babylon, it was just a matter of reassigning and replacing the people. So the, the smart idea when you're going to take over somebody is to put a couple of people from the, um, the, the uh, what do you call it, the conquered uh, realm or the conquered territory on staff and convert them so that they would become a liaison, an intermediary between their new regime and the old one. So Daniel and his three friends were chosen to do that. Hallelujah. As it happened, they, um, they, they were interviewed, and the, the, the unit said, hey, they, well, they were given to the unit who was supposed to train the prophets and train the spiritual staff, period. And so they, Daniel was there, and then um, he, they were put in training. And when they were put in training, they had a particular regiment. The regiment was X amount of hours of education. They had to learn all the re- readings and literature of the Chaldeans, which are the founding or the predecessors of the Babylonians. And so they had to learn all of that literature, how they think, how to read signs, how to do astrology, how to read organs and animal parts and all of those kinds of things, and, and including how to effectively and accurately interrogate the spirit realm to get angel, uh, information and answers for the king. So that was a massive program. I know today we just think you just got to lay out and, and get, drop in there God. But that is not how people in high position choose spiritual ministrants, okay? And so he was meant to be one of the spiritual ministrants of the whole realm. And so he had to have training. They had to have training. And in their training, part of the regiment was that they had to live in a certain way, live all together so that they can will, will enter staff or come on staff not as strangers, they know each other. They also had to have a certain amount of, of religious and ritual training so that they can sustain and appease the gods of the land, and there were many. I mean, Babylon was known to have as many as 12,000, 15,000 deities throughout the realm that they were able to. So that's class. That's class all by itself. And so they had to learn that. And then here's what was interesting. To convert them organically, from, you know, internally from what they were to what they are, they had to eat the king's food. Now, the king's food was important, eating the king's food based on the delicacies from the king's table, because the wine had an intoxicant in it that was going to break their will and, and enable them to be uh, brainwashed and also accessed by the demons that were empowering the land. So the wine was not just plain, we just got it off the vibe. It had all kinds of hallucinogens in it to cause them to dream, to cause them to imagine things. But all of that, that you know, that sorcery part requires that, you know. And so they had to have that. The food itself had to have various um, 
um, herbs and spices that were meant to, to, to alter their physiological makeup to make them a lot more susceptible to, uh, the, to the influx and, and access to unclean spirits. So all of the powers of the land have their own apothecary and, so, and their own recipes. It was important because the king saw his power as coming from the supernatural realm, so he just had to keep eating the right things, you know, whether you ate the organ meats, the body parts, drank some blood. They all had to do all of that because that's what the spirits of the dead required of their ministrants. So Daniel knew that because, remember, he worked for the palace in uh, Jerusalem. And so he understood that they had to they had to eat a certain kind of thing, just like God. When Yahweh brought them out and set them up, what did he do? He altered their diet. And he limited their diet to what he knew would bring exclusive nourishment. And he he put a taboo, a ban on various things that they could not eat. And one of the things was they could not drink the blood because there is some sort of spiritually intoxicating uh, agent in blood that brings out a brutality and a coolness and hardens the heart and makes people very bitter, very cruel and heartless. And so they had to, that was important to them, so to God. And so he wanted his people uh, susceptible to him, resistant to his adversaries. So he said, these are the things that you will do. And he laid out their drinks. He laid out their um, drink offerings and nourishment, their worship and oblations. He laid it out. Well, Nebuchadnezzar, understanding that, he's, he's reversing that. So he's flipping it. So you are going to drink the blood. So wine was often mixed with blood. So you are going to drink the blood. You are going to take these hallucinogens. You are going to eat this bread with this so-and-so. You will have this bread on it. You will have animals that were fed this particular thing so that it would always be with you all the way around. So, to, so they assimilated culture academically, psychologically, religiously, spiritually, and nutritionally. Powerful stuff, isn't it, folks? Because I'm telling you why we're organic Christians. So they did that. And so they, they, and Daniel understood that. So this is what he did. The Bible says Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not touch. He didn't want to drink anything but water. Just give us bread and water. He knew I could be pretty safe with bread and water. If I had meats, the, the meats are artificially altered, and they were injected with, with things to guarantee that, I would, that my will would be broken and that I would not be able to resist the spiritual thing. My, my judgment would be cloudy. My perceptions would be off. So he literally said, okay, bread and water. And so the eunuch said, you've got to be kidding me. Uh-uh. Because, see, they also had to become obese. They had to become fat because back then obesity was a sign of prosperity. So they had to become fat, so that means that they had all kinds of unhealthy stuff going on. But Daniel said, listen, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Just uh, try us this many, this long, for a certain period of time. He said, try us, and just give us nothing but the, the, the bitter roots, which is the plain greens and, you know, vegetables and bread and some water. And not even bread, just the vegetables. In other words, what came from the earth. Nothing, nothing processed. Just give us that and no meat and water. You know, a lot of people want Daniel fast and drink Pepsi. I can't get that. So you can't have a Daniel fast with coma. That just can't work. All right? So we modify it, but bless our hearts, we try. And so anyway, but they just wanted these herbs and water. That's all he wanted. Now, 
they, they did that. And they did it for however long he said. And when the unit came back, he found that they were actually healthier looking. He said they were fatter, the complexion was fuller, they were vibrant, full of life. Well, because God filled in the dietary blank with his word. Because remember, God is the same God who had his people in the wilderness eating nothing but manna from heaven. We have no, I have a thing, a, a CD called um, Manna Babies. You need to listen to the Manna Babies, the true Joshua generation. And so I have a CD called Manna Babies. And in this CD, we talk about the, the, the physiological and psycho-emotional effects of them being in the wilderness. Now, most people would say, wow, they must have been whatever. But listen to that CD. It will help you. So anyway, we go, and Daniel does And so now Daniel, Daniel is not getting visions by hallucinations or hallucinogens. He's not getting visions. He's not having, you know, um, you know a dream by other forces. He is now God has cleared out anything and kept everything Babylonian that would pervert his faculties and, and distort his abilities and his judgment. He has blocked them because Daniel made a vow. So for three years, because they had three years of training, so for three years they never ate anything, and the king never knew it because the eunuch wasn't going to tell him because that was going to cost him his life. So he never knew it. The trainers never knew it. But every day they just fed them what they would eat. That's it. Finally, and I'm sure that Daniel wouldn't have changed that later on down the line because it worked, and he understood God's purpose. Part of why you can't obey God is because you don't have a broad enough teaching to give you the frame of reference for what's motivating God to do what he does. Most Christians could care less why God does it. They just want to bash him for doing it. And so as we go on, Daniel turns around, and they have their final exam. We don't recognize they have a final exam, and it's an oral defense. So they have to create an oral defense the king creates an oral defense program for all of these, um, these potential divine communicants and spiritual ministers to stand before him who, to qualify who should be in the palace. And so they have this, and I mean, the king is, I mean, I'm sure he is loving, I mean, throwing questions at them left and right. I mean, and they have to answer them. And so you have to understand, it's the king's grace that if you fail the exam, you get reassigned because you could be just sent to grace. Because by that time, it didn't matter. It depends on if they didn't like you, you just, it didn't matter. You know, people didn't get pink slips and layoffs and carrying off. So Daniel and his three friends are interviewed. They have to give their own defense. He asks them questions about uh, Chaldea. He asks them questions about the cult, about spiritualism, about organ reading, and all of those kinds of things, all of the things that the job entails. See, we train prophets to just be public. We don't train them to execute what the job entails. But he, the king can't lose because a prophet's word has got to determine whether or not he enters into a warfare, goes into battle, or restrains, whether he sends forces or whether he keeps everybody home. And that prophet's word was, was literally the spiritual bedrock of all policy and all of the country's plans and initiatives. So that was important. So therefore... When he chose a prophet, that prophet had to know what they were doing. So here comes Daniel. Daniel and his three friends, they do it, and, and the king says, yeah. And, and, I mean, he's marveled. Do you realize that we said, well, they fell ten times, but listen to me. Kings, people in high seats of authority have 
folks vying for their approval and their favor and their positions all the time. So they've had the best of the best, the top of the top, because Christianity has never met God's top and God's best. We cannot guard his excellence like that. Instead, we've been taught to indulge. We've been taught to lower the bar, to lower our expectations, to forgive lower bars. That's how we've been taught, and that's how we've been trained as charismatic Christians. I don't know about all of the others, but I was just looking at the state of the church today, looking at the losses that Christianity has suffered, just looking at the bleed out from the faith. I would say that that's pretty much the standard across the bar. But not Nebuchadnezzar, because Nebuchadnezzar is like my whole realm is laying on the line right now. So I, this is not a nice little congregation, little old village over here that I don't have to worry about. My entire realm is at risk. So he says to them, he lets everybody know of all of the presumably thousands, because they have to cover the realm, so of the presumably thousands and maybe tens of thousands ministrants that they could choose, he gets the best of the litter, and from the best he decides who works in the palace. And he says that they're ten times better than all. Now, that all doesn't mean he sat there for 15 weeks and, and, and interrogated and interviewed everybody. What it means is that based on the judgments of his leaders and his own inspectors and his own assessors that brought him only the best of the best that were worthy of him, that he could honestly say that they were ten times better. So they are ten times better. He brings them in. He changes their name. And uh, he names them after the gods that he thinks are the most powerful in that capacity. And so he literally surrenders these, this, this new staff to the gods of the land, which is why I say every man walks in the name of the God. And so he surrenders them to the gods of the land, and they become the, the, the ministers of the palace. Now, he only had a leadership team, he had a powerful team. But, you know, still, that's what he did. Now, listen to what happened. So then God is ready to promote Daniel. Oh, somebody here. God's ready. Because, see, God is like, my people might be here, but you will not be their God. So I'm going to stay in touch. God keeps him in touch wherever he is. He's got people in everything, every base, every entity that's going to keep him in touch. And so he turns around and he gives the king a disturbing dream. And uh, when he does, Nebuchadnezzar sends out, he does what kings do. Okay, I've had a disturbing dream. Let me go to my spiritual staff. Let me see if I can get my spiritual staff to interpret the dream. But Nebuchadnezzar is a smart king. He knows that people lie, and he knows that they con, and they play games. And he knows this dream is too important. Something tells him it's too important for it to fall in the hands of pretenders and, and you know, livers and all of that. So he, he sets it up. He gives them the hardest exam ever. He says, tell me the dream and then tell me the interpretation. Because if you can tell me the dream, I know that you have the interpretation and that it's true. Well, of course, remember, this is his homegrown bunch. They've eaten from his table. They're full of his, his nourishment, just all of those kinds of things. And so they are only open to hearing all the other gods. They're not open to hear. Yahweh, they're not open to hear Israel's God because he's not talking to them, but they don't have any faculty for him because they were trained with all for the Chaldean deities. So they couldn't answer. And so Nebuchadnezzar is hot, and he starts killing. Okay, I'm killing all of y'all. I'm keep killing people till somebody get it. So he starts wiping them out, talking about thinning out your staff. So he's 
wiping them out, left them right. I mean, he's whacking them. Even said they come in and they're they're panicking now. Nobody wants to wake up in the morning, and everybody's afraid to go to sleep at night. So it is a horrible, horrible time. He has a little massacre of his spiritual staff. So finally, they get down to Daniel, his three friends, and so Daniel said, wait a minute, well, why is the king's command so urgent? I mean, what's going on here? See, you haven't read your Bible like this. That's why you find the Bible boring. But I'm here to tell you that that thing is full of rich stuff. And so he said, well, why is the king? I mean, what is this? And he tells him. So the executioner says, hey, this is a problem. i got to kill you. Wait, hold on, hold on. Before you kill us, let me say, give us tonight. Just let us go and petition our God, because clearly he's the one that's not talking, and clearly we know he is the one who's doing this. So he goes, and he says, he runs to the king. He goes, he says, listen, we got a guy. He said he'll do it by tomorrow. He's a prophet. He's one of the children of Israel, one of the, you know, um, deportees from Israel. He's going to be fine. And so he goes, and the king said, all right, because the king said, okay, I'm going to hold this for the night, but if he's wrong, I'm telling everybody. Okay? So... Sure enough, Daniel goes, and he appeals to this God. Because for during all of his training, he's never cheated on God. During all of his service up to then, he never cheated on God. He kept himself distinct, not divided from, but distinct from the community and from the Babylonians. So God, he and God has cut covenant. But here's what's interesting. God knew he could ignite that because he knew Daniel was equipped and educated and able to make him look good and to get his points across. Today, they don't care if you all make God look good. They just want to make themselves look good through what you do. But that's not how the people who make it in God's history and God's annals are trained. So Daniel comes, and he comes to Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar says, so you the one? Yeah. So can you tell me the dream? And, the, and its interpretation, he said, listen, there's a, I don't have it. It's not of my own strength that I can do it. But there's a God in heaven. Look at that. He didn't take God's glory. He didn't take credit for it because he knew the whole deal was to introduce Nebuchadnezzar to the God of God, the God in heaven. So here we go. Because remember, they're in Babylonian. This is Nebuchadnezzar. Rock. And so Daniel tells the vision. And he said, this is a vision. You were on your bed and you were having some thoughts. And these are the thoughts that filled your head. And then this is what happened. This is the image you talked about. He said, now that's the vision. And he said, no, that's the dream. He said, now let me tell you the interpretation. And he began to rattle off the future and gave him the history of the world leading up to Jesus Christ in that interpretation. Because Jesus Christ is the spirit of all prophecy. The testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of all prophecy. So anyway, so Nebuchadnezzar is floored. He is floored. All the other people are like, thank you. They will thank you, whatever duty, thank you, whatever your name is. Because they get to live. And so, but the king is impressed. Now, why is the king impressed? Because he interpreted? No, he didn't just interpret it religiously. He didn't just interpret the imagery. He didn't just want to give, you know, the, the wonderful paint, a beautiful picture, he gave him political strategy, he gave him information that he could use as a monarch. And oh, hallelujah, he gave him information that he, as the monarch of this great realm, could use. He gave him an advantage over his enemies. He, all of that information was in that thing. And when we do prophecy diagnostic, we got to break that thing down. And so the king, the, the king said, oh yeah, that's it. He wanted to bow down and worship Daniel because he's like, your God is really God. 
and he did some powerful things. The first thing he said was, let me elevate you. Daniel got a promotion for being the best of the best when it mattered. And in the midst of that conflict, God set the stage to put his person at top. So God made Daniel number one spiritual administrator, divine communicant, prophet of the whole realm. He put him under all of that department. But he didn't just leave him in the spiritual realm. He also made him, gave him a political position as the third president. So we're going on. What does Daniel do? That's why you need to hook yourself up to the people who are good. Because when Daniel got promoted, Daniel knew he knew he needed to have his own folk in place, and he had to know who was equally trained and equally up to the task, and that was his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But their training, they had already been trained in God's way, and God allowed them to get their world training later and then enabled them to filter both of them and reconcile their differences so that God himself could become the God of the land because every man walks in the name of his God. Now, I cannot tell you, and I won't tell you, that, that, that Nebuchadnezzar made Israel's God the only God. He didn't. He couldn't. But every time he cut up, God would just come and get him. So he found out that he had at least, least making the number one God. All right, so we're going to have another bunch of them, but he's at least going to be the number one God. I know this was long today, but I want to tell you why organic Christianity is important. Because Daniel just settled for herbs and water, because he purposely took out of his, his literal diet, his nutritional diet, everything that would pervert him, that would cause him to, to stand and comprehend and, and weaken his nerves and weaken his resolve about his faith. He did not allow that into his body. Oh, somebody hear what I'm saying today. Because he did, bless God, God knew he could trust him as his man, and he knew he could trust Daniel with even handling the issues of darkness, the messes of darkness, and the deceptions, etc. and know that Daniel was going to come out still his God, still his go-to God. He made Daniel his go-to prophet, his go-to politician, his go-to leader in the realm. And whenever God wanted to do things, he knew Daniel would do it. And he gave Daniel such a reputation and such stature and renown that king after king wanted him, not because they agreed with his faith or his religion, but because of his expertise and his mastery of the things seen and unseen. And I'm telling you, today, this is where we're going. We'll talk a little bit more tonight on Prophetic Ed about, uh, or, you know, and we, I have already trademarked it, scripturally organic Christianity, culturally unmodified. That is who we are, and that is who Daniel was. He became 100% organic, and he was scripturally organic. He was spiritually organic. He did not allow any spirit, anything that was not his God to enter his being. And a lot of saints are anti-Christ because you're eating the king's delicacy. You're intoxicated with his drugs and his hallucinogens. The visions you're seeing are coming from those hallucinogens that you have bought into spiritually, the, the decisions you're making, the resolve, your will against God, your anger, your ire, all of that comes from eating Babylon's tasty. And because you decided to become a cultural Christian, your pastor passed it on. It was passed on to your pastor, your teacher, your bishop, whatever. It was passed on to them. A lot of you didn't ask for this. A lot of you didn't want it. And a lot of you are coming out of it because you realize that you were 
soul a bill of goods, and you were given an inheritance of error and heresy that you didn't choose. All right, Prophet Ashley. I know I went on today, but I had something to say, so I thought I'd say it. Well, I'm glad you did. We're glad you did. We are, all <laughs> are they really? Oh, yes. Uh, I appreciate it. I want to thank you for explaining what the big deal was about the king's diet. Mm. The evangelical explanation is not much more than what's on the paper. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we make it about a kosher thing. Yeah. He wanted to, and, and I'm sure on some level, uh, eating the foods that they eat was a part of it. But we don't because we're disconnected. From how that really works and why drugs and drinking and all those kinds of things are still important mm-hmm. in that culture, we don't see that, like you said, each one had their own apothecary. You need to drink this because it wasn't just a drink. Mm-hmm. It was a cocktail. It was a cocktail. <laughs> of things. It wasn't mm-hmm. just the food. It was what was in the food, what mm-hmm. was placed in the food. We say it now. They spiked my drink. We, we had a friend once who somebody put drugs in their brownie. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Do you remember that one? Trip out mm-hmm. Because they thought it would be funny because they were a prophet at the time. And it wasn't funny. Mm-hmm. It was a horrible experience. But realizing that was the importance of his decision, mm-hmm. that was why he was adamant about not having the king's delicacies. We hear delicacies and we think dessert. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we think croissant. You know, he was taking back on his sugar mm-hmm. no. and his carbs. And he wanted to go vegetarian and vegan. I mean, that's because that is, I'm talking about culture crafted. That mm-hmm. is our cultural crafted mentality. Exactly. Right there. So thank you for that explanation. Bless God. And then, um, when even when you were talking about the inspectors and the assessors of the prophets, the importance of evaluation. And we are in evaluation season with our near global profits. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, and I would say too, even as an evaluator, not just on the other side, the importance of really being diligent and accurate in your evaluation yes. of somebody. And objective. Yes, and objective. Thank you. Of your evaluation, recognizing the realm we are sending them into mm-hmm. and what they have to face, what they have to oppose, what they have to accomplish, what they have to achieve. We need to know through the evaluation process how you're measuring up. Are you actually outshining and blowing us all away? Like, oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Or are you struggling? Are you coming along quite nicely? Mm -hmm. Is this area here? That's our responsibility as well. It is. And and the preparatory training program must include what that profit, since we're talking about profit, is going to deal with. When you you talk about that and everything you've written, how the training program is supposed to deal with prep you for the rigors of the office, the opposition, and the successes. Mm-hmm. Both. The successes took you out, too. Oh, don't we know? The line profit. Mm-hmm. Oh, God had an amazing time. Yeah, success. He always had a successful mission. Oh, my God. Prophecy of a lifetime, platform of a lifetime, and then you're, you're done. You're done. And just to prove a point, the line didn't need you. No, no. Just kill them. Just to prove a point. But the, the, just the awesome responsibility of it because it is more than just talking. And I think sometimes still we have in our mind we can we can recognize this office is more than talking, but if our preparatory training program and evaluative process does not include measuring beyond talking. And most don't. Well, especially when we got activations where all you have to do is say, hey, be thou activated. Come on. You don't even know if a person is activatable. And so we should know that. Wow. So any comments you want to share a few? Because you usually oh, do. Sure. Let's see. Someone said, you are such a light without compromise. 
We appreciate that. Uh, oh, yes, when I talk through the clock, they say, we, we can have church now. <laughs> London, UK is on the line. Hey, bless you, London. Among other places, we're not ignoring everybody else, no. but we always like to, you know, say hello to our international folks. Uh, tell the truth, Apostle, we need it. Somebody said, I'm over here learning. <laughs> When you were talking about the inspectors, they said, bring it home, Apostle. And um, someone said, you blew their mind again. And what I love about the mind-blowing moments are, to me, most of those mind-blowing moments are over something that I have grown up here in my entire life and have never actually heard anything. Uh-huh. You know, like you realize it. Yeah. I didn't hear anything about this. I wasn't taught mm-hmm. anything beyond too much what was written on the paper. Which is evident mm. and evident, I should say, with the lack of apostles, trained apostles, apostles and prophets. Mm-hmm. Educated. Educated. We know because some of them have got some training, but they can pass on techniques. Well, they're still biblically, biblically. Reflective. Yeah. Reflective of what's in the Bible. I agree. I agree. You know, one of the things that God said, He said, tell them that I send apostles to muscleize evangelism. I mm. said, okay. So we actually bring muscle to the evangelism because evangelism typically stays in one vein of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And you know in your class that there is at least 20 of them, yeah. but one vein of the gospel, and it's that so winning vein. And so all of the other things God leaves on apostles and prophets. Did you want to share that because you're cracking up over here? <laughs> oh, I'm very confused when she just said you tell the gospel truth. <laughs> I love it. And so I just thank you today. I know we went over, but sometimes I, it's, it's important that I equip you. Now hit that button because we're getting ready to go to phone calls, and I definitely want to minister to you and, and pray with you, but it is, it's, I'm, not, I'm not the Candyland woman. I never gave my children treats for dinner. I gave them dinner, and they earned a treat. I, I fed my kids what they needed to eat, and, and I nourished them for what would keep them going and sustain them and what would grow them up, not what would entertain them and appease their appetite. I've never been that kind of woman. I've never been the pastor that had a string of preachers over my people. Never have. You can ask them. And we thank you. Honey, organic. See, I'm an organic girl. Now, I'm going to try to be otherwise, but I'm organic today, and I've been that way. I never did. My, my people did not have to worry about trying to filter through all of these crazy thoughts and ideas and nobody knows where they came from. They had a steady string. I created two events a year where they got to hear from the body of Christ, my, my uh, prophetic institute and my apostolic summit. Outside of that, I really, I mean, actually, you can think all of the years you've been with me. You can almost count how many times you had Sunday guests. Outside of conferences? Outside of those times. Um, you can't even name them. Oh, I know it's less than five. Because I don't do it. And said, no, because I, I, I'm a, I take this responsibility for my, my family, for my duty. And I feel like this. I'm supposed to feed you. I'm supposed to grow you. And I know that having a string of folks come in only inseminates people with confusion and then raises up conflict. Well, so-and-so said, well, pastor never told us. No. Uh-uh. Now, I did bring in the people I trust. And when I trust them, I gave them their time because and it's not a lot, to be honest with you, because I had a lot to get out to my people. Not because I don't think God has people who can, you know, feed us. That's just so erroneous. But I had a sufficient, and I was producing a product, so that's why I did it. 
And so I told them, you should watch this person. This person look crazy. You should go to this meeting, uh, whatever. How about I couldn't even get my people to go to other meetings? I never. No, their first question was, well, are you speaking up? <laughs> are you speaking up? No, I'm not. Are you, are you don't? No. Oh. Uh-uh. So you need to play nice and meet people and socialize, please. Thank yes, you. and let them know I care because I do. I care about the body of Christ. I care about my peers and colleagues. But I just know that watching the, the deterioration of the church and the denigration of the gospel, I just didn't want my people to have to be exposed to that. And I wanted to give you tools to help you defend yourself. I didn't want to just equip you. I wanted to arm you. Prophet. Hold on. Hold on. Before you go to prophet, hold on, prophet. Hold on, prophet. While we're still scoping, I want to make this non-related announcement. Okay. That February 21st <laughs> is your birthday. Yes. I want the whole Periscope world to know. So write that down. Yes. And I know Prophet D will be sending out emails to to that uh, to inform you. February twenty first, which is a Tuesday, by the way. Oh, uh, uh, oh, come on, Jesus. Is Dr. Paula A. Price's birthday? Yes. We will be letting you know how you can contribute and shower this apostle. I want her to wake up to a stack of cars and presents. Yes. That I'll be picking up from the mailbox all month long I and to say, it. We love you, Dr. Christ. So I'm going to put that out there at the beginning of the month. Yes. Instead of waiting until like the week before, I'm like, Yeah, that's my first birthday next week. Did you know? February 21st. Yes. And I do. I, I, again. I, all over again. Doing it again. 19 again and again okay. and again. And so I'm excited about my birthday this year um, because it's just because of mostly because of my people, because of you, you all have showered me with such love and affection and such support and attention. I appreciate it. I know that, you know, you have options. You have many, many options. You have tons of options. And I'm sure endless demands on your time and your attention. And I don't take lightly that you include me in it and that you schedule me for Tuesday and Thursdays, um, Mondays and whenever. So, yes, I do love you, and you all have given me a great year, and I just thank you for that. So I'm looking forward to my birthday. Help me celebrate. Huh? And Dr. Price wants to celebrate. I, lo- I do. I love to celebrate. Trust me. And it blows me out the water. I just love it. I do. Uh, and, and I love celebrating the people of God, you know. So thank you so much. Prophet Adia, are you there? I am here. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Wow, what a powerful show! What a powerful show today! I won't belabor uh, the moment because I know we want to get to our callers today. But really powerful show. I think that uh, one thing you said uh, earlier that's so important is um, uh, how being culturally Christian is essentially being anti-Christ. A lot of eyes opened on that one today. This is the hour, the season that we need this because the church has revamped itself uh, to a, a place where it's almost unrecognizable anymore. What is truly God versus what is what we have culturally said is God. So um, I think that that is something that uh, you broke the ice on today, that conversation that we need to keep having. So it was a powerful training today. <laughs> She says it's a conversation. <laughs> I love it. Okay, yeah. No, no, you, you go out with friends and talk about that. Oh, yeah. And, and really, ask yourself, how about the other part? And that is a lot of Christians were born again under the culture craft of Christianity, which means they all have a false salvation because they never had to repent. 
They never had to change. They never had to be holy. They never had all of the things. You know, the Bible says that all of those have signs. They're the fruit of repentance. They're the fruit of holiness. They're the fruit of righteousness. They're, I did a class once on all the fruits we're supposed to bear beyond the fruits of the Spirit, and it was amazing how many of them showed up. But in any event, a prophet did. I thank you for that. That's that's really good. So maybe we'll all have a conversation on it. How about that? <laughs> yes, I think we should. <laughs> And if you guys have some things that you want to point out in the conversation, just hashtag the Paula Price Show so we can try to pick up on the thread of what you guys are talking about from today's program. Amen. Well, God bless you. Uh, Periscope, I will see you tonight, Prophetic Ed, where we're going to talk about where the prophet sits in organic, organic Christianity and how we can use organic Christianity to get delivered from false prophecy. I think we should. What do you think, Prophet Ashley? Good afternoon, Periscope, 8 o'clock tonight, Central Time, Prophetic Ed. See you then. Prophet Adia, we're turning it over to you. All right. Well, we want to uh, welcome you to the second hour of the Paula Price Show. If you're listening on the line right now, we need you to press that number one so that you can speak with Dr. Price. If you have a prayer request, if you have a comment on the training, uh, either one, if you have a testimonial that you want to give her, you can press that number one right now so that we can get to your call during the second hour. For those of you who are joining us for the very first time, or if you are a newer listener, we want to let you know where to find us. You can find Dr. Price on Facebook.com slash Dr. Paula Price. You can also find her on Twitter. Her handle there is at Dr. Paula Price. Really easy to remember. You can also join our mailing list online. I'm going to give you that website right now, www.drpaulaaprice.com www.drpaulaaprice, A there in the middle, and then you'll be able to reach us online. Dr. Price has been doing webinars every Monday night, so if you want to be a part of the webinar community, it's, no, uh, it's, it's, it's nothing more than just a click. So it's a click away. You want to go to the website, drpaulaaprice.com, and click on Featured Webinars. You can also click on the link that says Train Me at the top, and you'll be able to browse all of her available webinars. She just finished up with a series on marriage and dating, that will be available soon as a set. So you can look for that to come. But there are great webinars there already, uh, one of them on prayer and intercession. She has a two-part series on prayer and intercession, so you don't want to miss out on that, as well as many other classes that are now available online at drpaulaaprice.com. So make sure you click that Train Me button there, and you'll be able to get all the access. Our assessment sale is still going on, so don't miss out on that. If you've heard Dr. Price speak about getting assessed for your fivefold ministry sphere, then then do this. Take advantage of this. We have a 20% off right now of our assessments, and you can get those online two places, drpaulaaprice.com or ppmglobalresources.com. want to give a huge shout-out to all of our Twitter fans, all of our Facebook community, and, of course, our Periscope family. We love you. As Dr. Price mentioned, she'll be back live tonight, 8 o'clock p.m. Central. Do not miss it. It's Prophetic Ed Thursday. So we'll see you guys tonight on Periscope at 8 o'clock p.m. Prophet Ashley, back to you. Have you ever wondered, why do I hear from God? Is what happens when I pray normal? Why do I think so differently? Is my relationship with God unusual? How do I explain my experiences with God? Does anyone else experience these things? I have so many talents, but how do I find my purpose? I know I'm called to ministry, but where do I begin? These daily questions lead to one solution. 
Introducing the Standardized Ministry Assessments Series. What was on God's mind when He made you? Find out how our assessments can help you uncover your greatest mystery, you. Our standardized ministry assessments consist of 800 ministry-specific questions, 114 ministry-based categories, 50 ministry classifications, a comprehensive gift analysis, five-fold office identifiers, automatic response indicators, targeted benchmark scoring, automated result interpretations, custom readiness path options, call-specific recommendations, personal ministry advisement. Is this basically a personality test? No. Your results are custom designed and not based on the traditional data used to determine your personality type or IQ. Instead, your results come from you, how you think, and what you believe, not predetermined categories into which you must loosely fit. Dr. Paula Price's nearly 25 years of research and experience see to that. How is this different from a spiritual gift test? Our assessments are not a test and assess more than just your spiritual gift, what you are good at and may be interested in doing for your church. We help you define your ministry calling, how ready you are to do it full-time, the type of training you need to do it well, and the best place for you to prosper whether in or out of the church. They don't just give you a number, they give you a life plan. We offer three levels of assessments. The Ministry Assessment Questionnaire, the Prophetic Aptitude Questionnaire, the Apostolic Diagnostic. So what's your ministry IQ? Discover yours today. www.drpaulaprice.com or call 877-649-PPMG. I, I wanted to take a few minutes to tell you why you want to get this course. Yes, you want to know who you are. Yes, you want to know what God sent you to do. But it is not enough to know thyself. You need to know those that the Lord has assigned to work with you, to labor with you, to understand you, to hold up your hands, and to understand that they are not just volunteers helping out, but they are fixtures. They are affixed to your commission. They are your fixtures. They are your pillars, your founders, your ground. They're your communicators, your extenders, whatever you want to call them, and it's all of that. You need someone to fit all of those capacities. And so I want you to consider using my brand new teaching, building your commission team, stage one, if you're an apostle or an apostolic minister, because it's all the same. But what distinguishes what this teaching does is not that we're telling people about their ministry. No, we're taking people who are already in ministry or who are predisposed to ministry and who are competent or show potential for competency. And we're telling them, you're assigned to not just help me preach the word or help me spread the word, you're assigned to help me establish something in the earth, build it from the ground up or fortify it, if it's already in existence, and expand it. You want a commission team is about perpetuity, not just performance. And that is what commission training is. So may I encourage you to go to my website and to click I want this commission team. You can go to ppmglobalresources.com and say, I didn't understand it. Now I know. And it's going to give you a blueprint. 
And then it's going to give you criteria, and it's going to give you standards, and it's going to give you protocols, but it's also going to give you some policies and procedures as well as practices. And all together, we come alongside you as you begin to identify those that God's called to help you do more than go on a mission. We want to help you identify those who are called to become fixtures of your apostleship commission, of your apostolic commission. Again, that's drpaulaprice.com or ppmglobalresources.com. Okay, Dr. Price, we are back for the second portion of the show. I know you're ready and I'm ready to hear what God is now going to say to his people one-on-one. I'm ready. I've had a great, um, you know, great time so far, as you can see. I was just fired up today, so I have no idea where we're going. Let's get right to our callers. Who is first? Okay, Doug Price, first we have Carolyn from Florida on the line, and she is calling in with a testimony and a thank you. Carolyn, welcome back to the Paula Price Show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Prophet Ashley. Dr. Price, how are you today? I am wonderful, Katie. I'm just flying all over the place, so excited in God. <laughs> yeah, me as well. What I came called in to um, just let you know, I just thank you so much for your words of wisdom. I thank you so much. Every time I listen to you, I feel like I have to have carpet time, go back on my face, <laughs> and forget all those things that I... <laughs> Forget all those things that I thought I knew and I thought that was right and, and things of that nature and was um, raised up a certain way. And then listening to you, I'm like, oh, my goodness, i got to forget everything. It's <laughs> not like over again. <laughs> but it's good. It's good for my soul. It is really good for Amen. my soul. But I call, I call, too, because I'm usually Carolyn from um, Kansas. Now I'm Carolyn from Florida. Yes, yes. It was in December that I um, talked with you and your your word that I really, um, from God, I held on to was don't panic because it was like I had the, the, the sea in front of me and Pharaoh and his army behind me. But I, I didn't have, um, Dr. Price, I didn't have any money. You know, I'm the same one that was adopted. I'm the same one that was out of a job for two years, and then my son had lost his job, and he was out of a job for like seven months. And I was originally in Florida, and then I went to, um, was recruited to Kansas for a job, just to give you a little bit of background, but I know you remember. But when you said that, you said, get those boxes together. And I said, well, okay, but, oh, Lord, how am I going to get these boxes together? And I don't have any money. I mean, zero, 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 zero. <laughs> and I just began to do that, began to go to, um, you know, Walmart and some other places to go get some boxes. And then when I ran out of boxes, I went to um, Sam's. And then um, right next to Sam's is a liquor store. And I said, well, not." Nah, why am I being told to go in this liquor store? So I said, well, let me go in the liquor store to get the boxes because they are good for um, if you're packing glass because, of course, they have to transport all the um, their bottles of their spirits. So when I went in and I came back out and there was a man at my um, son's car, he was saying, y'all need some boxes? And, oh, I said, yes, yes, sir. He said, well, follow me home. So my son looks at me and says, 
um, you think this is okay? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I feel like it's okay. I feel like it's okay. You know, doing a check, doing a check. So he said, well, come on down to the basement. I'm like, well, okay. And I still, still felt okay about it. That man pulled out so many boxes that we really, really needed. And boxes are very expensive that we needed, that we could pack in this little two-seater and everything. And, of course, I had to buy some wardrobe boxes. But when I tell you money started coming in and I had to sell, of course, my living room and dining room set at a discount price, but I had to do what I had to do. And I, and I had to leave some things, too, because we could get nothing else in the truck and then had to pay for a trailer to pull my son's car, which he wanted to sell for monies. But I said, no, when we get to Jacksonville, we don't have to be able to ride around. And <laughs> I'm telling you, Dr. Price, with no money to some monies, and we have been here in an extended stay for since um, January. It took us about three days because we ran into a, a tornado. We ran into um a uh, uh, bad, I mean, a bad rainstorm you couldn't see even in front of you. We had to go down, like, mountains and dips and everything. And when you're traveling with a truck and plus pulling a car, that's a lot of weight. But I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, 1,300 miles, but we are here. Don't have a really a place to stay. I do have a girlfriend that wants me to come stay with her and her family. And she has a husband, so I'm sort of hesitant about that. But this is our, um, tomorrow night will be our last night here. So um, I'm just expecting God to do some things because I thought our last night was going to be like three um, weeks ago. And then money's, money's keep coming. So I said, we'll stay a little longer. We'll stay a little longer. And then I had some complaints about the extended stay. So they caught me five days. So, I mean, oh, things have just been, yes, they have just been working out. And I say, you know what, now, if I had stayed in Wichita, I would have just been pulling the hair that I have left out. I just, I said, oh, my God, just things, things have been working. Um, I've had a phone interview. Um, my son just got off a, another phone interview um, today um, that would potentially put him in a different class <laughs> with that um, increase. So we're just praying and hoping God that He just moves and and does some things. Um, you know, even the more He's opened up my eyes so much. I mean, I I believe God. I trusted God before, but I mean, this thing called faith. I'm like, oh my goodness. I've been to a couple of churches for some help, but a lot of them couldn't do anything, and I understand that. But I did get some food um, last night from the worship place. <laughs> I bet you did. Yeah. <laughs> Worship place, yeah, that's one of my people. I'm telling you, yeah. that's a good place. They're one of my folks. They're members yeah. of me. Yeah. So I'm just but saying. But I have to talk to Ron Rollinson, and I'm telling you, they are great people. And mm-hmm. I am excited that you connected with them because I'm telling mm-hmm. you, that's where you need to be. Her and Bishop mm-hmm. Rollinson. The love people mm-hmm. of mine. Mm-hmm. Right. So they had their Wednesday night, Wednesday night food um, pantry. So I got some things from there. I, and they were just trying to get me to get more. And I said, well, I don't have anywhere to store it. And I don't want it to go bad. I would rather for someone that doesn't have anything um, to do that. So, I, you know, I still am in the need of money. Um, 
I have my the things that I could bring in storage, um, and thank God for that. And then uh, a piece that I didn't want to put in storage, they, they have a consignment shop, so I have that um, under a consignment shop. So I'm just looking for more things to come. I really am. You said this was um, my destiny. This is where I am. I know that the word of God and God was just really, really speaking and talking because I needed that, that don't panic. And, and for you to say, I'm, I'm with you, I'm with you. We're going to walk this thing with you. That meant so much to me because I, you know, I just felt like being alone and you know, being adopted. And I said, well, my parents are dead, but you know, my son is with me, but just being alone. And I'm thinking, Oh my goodness, how am I going to do this? I mean, what does she mean? Get these boxes. But I, you know what? I heard him got off of my hips. And got those boxes. It was a struggle. <laughs> it was a what I want you to do, beloved. I need okay. you to do a couple of things for me, okay? okay. First of all, okay. thank you for that testimony. It encourages my heart, and it's nice to know <laughs> that, that uh, we who are near, near and far are there for the people of God, because that is the passion that I have for our collaborative. Right. Now, she doesn't know that I, that I did this, and you probably never told her on that, but you better know God is gracious. But I want you to do me a favor. I need okay. you to change your testimony. Okay? okay. I need you to begin to, to, to scrap I'm alone and adopted as if it's the, the curse, as if you have some sort of congenital illness. And I need you okay. to begin to say that the Lord is my shepherd. God is my father. You are not alone. I did not speak to an adopted woman who, who feels abandoned. I spoke to a daughter of the Most High God. Amen. Your father Amen. in heaven. I mean, God is showing off. And if you if you abandon that testimony and stop hurting and stop hurting his feelings, you're gonna see a, better, a greater hand of God than you ever imagined. He doesn't like that testimony. Okay. He wants you to end that. Oh, I repent. He wants I repent. To, yeah, he doesn't like that. He wants you to let people know that he is a father to the fatherless. That's Bible. Yeah. He said, oh, "I'm a man. father to the fatherless." And he wants yes. you to let people know how good a daddy he is. He, Jesus is a sugar, and he's a great God. And so you are yes. not going to use that testimony again because that testimony came from a spirit of depression who was literally sipped into your life by disappointment, a spirit of disappointment. Right. So it, and, and, and a disappointment rides on abandonment, and abandonment rides on neglect. So you need to understand how that, that chain was running through your life. And you need to okay. let that go. So we're not going to do that anymore. You're going to talk right. about God as your father. Because, you know, we are adopted in the beloved. I mean, so adoption is right. not happening. You know, come on, Jesus was adopted. Come on. You act like yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Okay? <laughs> Jesus yeah. was adopted. His flesh was adopted. His spirit was still his dad. But he had to be adopted by Joseph. So you're in very yeah. good company. I need you to Amen. stop really giving that testimony like that, I want you to begin to talk about how great God is, that you are a member of the family, you are a child of God, you are a literally an offspring of God's uh, spirit, and you're not going to have that any longer. But on the flip side, I am so <laughs> proud of you. Sweetheart, I am proud of you. You are so excited. I'm listening to your voice. You don't even have the same voice. I am proud of you, and I'm proud of the God in you and the courage that you had to be do your Peter and step out of the boat on the water. I think it's interesting that you ran into a and a rainstorm. So that means they say that you know that truly God is with you. So here's what I'm going to do. Right now, Okay. I'm establishing you in that realm. 
in that region. I put you in your home. I put you in the place that God has ordained. I removed the fog. I removed the barriers. And I removed the blindness that's causing you not to see what God has prepared for you. One thing I know about God Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ, is that he starts nothing he's not going to finish. So you have to pray that prayer every day. I know, God, if you brought me here, you start nothing that you don't finish. God does not give us a half a package and a crumb of bread. God will give you a crumb of bread that turns into a loaf. And so we're called into full manifestation. That's the first thing. Secondly, you're going to change that testimony, which is going to change your demeanor and your emission. When you start emitting the faith of God, the courage of God, and the beauty of the Holy Ghost, people will hire you. They will hear it in your voice. They will see it in your demeanor. I'm telling you, I want you to make yourself psycho-emotionally attractive and appealing, engaging to people. There's a magnetism in faith that's more than just uh, you know, hope and, and, and whatever, last resort, God says, I need you to make yourself emotionally, psycho-emotionally appealing to everyone. That means that yeah. you are going to the same deal you have today and the same joy you're going to do it. How are you going to do that? Because it's going to be a challenge. This is a habit. You've got to break your emotional habits. You've got to break thought habits. You've got to break a lot of things. What I would love to see you do as you move forward is I'm going to have you call my office, ask for Prophet Ashley. I will tell her after the call what to do for you, what to do with you, and I'm going to get you free. I need you to do that, but you have got to change this. Woe is me, pitiful, the Lord hates me, heaven forgot me testimony. I need you to change that. Because you got a daddy who loves you. And I'm looking at how fast he moved for you. I'm almost scared, girl. <laughs> Come on, King Jesus. I mean, wait, I mean, wait. He came through. You ought to be singing songs and praise and whatnot. Yeah. So I'm going to have a plan for you. And I want you to work this plan. The second thing I'm doing is I'm opening up the personnel ranks. I speak to the principalities and the powers of, of, of human resources. <laughs> in that region, and I give you employment. I give you a job. I speak to those same powers, and I employ your son as well so that you both will get to work and get to work quickly, and I give you extended favor in the extended step. Amen. And I ask God to bless you with favor, but you have got to be appealing. I don't care if you say, can I answer the phone, can I, uh, whatever, baby. You're God's trying to make a fighter out of you instead of a retreater. You've retreated all your life. Now he wants to make you a fighter. So you're going to go and find a way to stay in that place. Wow. That is so true. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> do it. I will do And then it. when we hear yeah. from you next time, you're going you gonna to come up with another testimony. It's going to be some way we have to feel you off the ceiling. Come on. Because the Lord is gone, and he is on your side. So, listen, when you hang up, I want you to do this. I want you to give a call to my office. They will direct okay. you to how to get Prophet Ashley. And I, by that time, I'm going to talk to her about what to do in these little baby steps. These for you are baby steps because honey, God has big things out there for you. And your testimony is going to rock the world. Trust me, in so many areas, so many um, people and people groups are going to be blessed by your success. So it's important to God to finish this. And you have started acting as if you know you are on a journey and you're in a campaign with God and that he's working his project through you. 
Amen. Amen. Because you told me, you said, you're going to call me. That was the end of December. You said, you're going to call me the end of January and tell me some different things. And I tried to get on last time. And I, I didn't, but it was good. And I said, okay, well, I'm not going to miss this Thursday. I'm going to be calling number one. <laughs> I love it. He just moves so quick. So quick. I mean, everything that I was touching and people were saying, well, here, I want to help you here. Here, here's some money for gas. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness! Here's some money for food, and I'm like, oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Okay, so so I'm like, just happy. <laughs> listen to me. Obedience is not only better than sacrifice; it opens the door to sacrifice. So listen, don't ever forget that. Because if, if you obey okay. God, He already has sacrifices. God, I thank you for Carolyn. I thank you for what you've thank done, you. Holy Father. We're just so proud of you, Lord Jesus. Just so proud yes. of you for being our sovereign Savior, for being our God. And I thank you, Lord, that what you've begun, you will not cease until you complete the totality of what you've envisioned yes. and planned for Carolyn from the foundation of the world. So, God, I give you yes. all the praise for it and all the favor. I'm asking you to watch over my words to let none fall to the ground unfulfilled. I'm asking you to perform all that I have decreed in your your name is your apostle, and Lord, I bless you for making the officials of that city open up and finish the work that you've begun in this woman's life and in the life of her son, that they may know not only that a prophet has been among them, that your apostle has spoken, but also, Lord, that you watch over the words of your messengers. And I thank you for watching over my words in her life and fulfilling everything from this day forward. Amen and amen. God bless you, woman of God. We'll talk soon. God bless you too, and yes, we will talk soon. Okay. God bless you too, Ashley. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. So, Prophet Ashley, is God something or is God something? I didn't even recognize the sound of her voice. That's how different she sounds. I'm telling you, I was like, ooh, come on, King Jesus. But come on, tell me why she ended up at the worship place. I just want to figure it out now. <laughs> Well, when she said Jacksonville, I'm like, hmm, I wonder. <laughs> I said, now that is God. I'll tell you, one of our council members, not even knowing to see how God keeps us working as one. All right, who's next? Okay, we have next on the line Kayvon from um, Virginia. And Kayvon would like a prophetic word in prayer. Kayvon, welcome to the Paula Price Show. Hey, guys, how's it going? Hello, Kayvon. How are you doing, sir? Good. How are you guys? All blessed up. You hear I'm on fire. You know I'm on cloud. Wait on cloud Jesus. I see. I hear. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kayvon, are you a prophet? I am. Okay, so you wanted to hide out prophets, though, huh? So, uh, you are a prophet. Have you been prophetically trained? Because you need some training to go to the next level. I see that there is a noose on your spirit. I see this black rope that's tied around the center of your spirit. It feels like a tightening in your stomach area that radiates to your heart and your chest. And it seems like you are under a false prophecy or an angry or errant prophecy. Do you remember when that happened? Um, I'm not sure. You well, got right into it, but I'm, I'm not sure. But I remember which one. 
but so whoever it was laid hands on you. So you, we need to think about who that was because I'm telling you, you're carrying an impartation that is binding up your life and your ability to think, your ability to make decisions, and to even get a push through. I mean, it's just a really interesting situation. And all I know is God said it came through the laying on of hands somewhere. Wow. So, you know, young prophets have to be very careful because everybody wants to open up a, a prophet spirit who is in that realm. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray your soul free. Then I'm going to pray you into a prosperity that goes back to your father's line. I want to say all the way down through your father's line that there is a prosperity that's due you, and you are the son that is to have that inheritance. I see that all over you in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, and God wants to position your life and stage the circumstances that will bring you into an inheritance that your father's family and their line did not get. It was taken from them. Um, they were cheated out of it. Part of it has to do with land and property. I see that it's a, a land and property deal that didn't go through for your dad or, or your grandfather. And I want to say both. For some reason, it's like the front I see dad, the back I see grandfather, but it didn't go through and that God wants to change this inheritance. He wants to release some property to you that should have been given to them, but God has put them to rest with the fact that the future generation would gain that inheritance, and you are the one that God has marked for that inheritance. I want you to understand that property is in your family's genes. It's in your blood, and you all should be, literally, you should be investing in property and land because that's a great deal of the prosperity. The other one has to do with an invention that you're going to find out about um, that also was not given to your father, was taken from them. And so, and this doesn't make a difference whether you were raised by your dad or not. The, gene, the genealogy and the prophecies on the genealogical line uh, don't, don't change. They have nothing to do with the behavior or the context because prophecy follows the seed. And the seed that made you is the seed that God wants to put prosperity on. He said that there is something he wants to do with the males in your family tree, even those that have come, and that he wants you to be able to take on that responsibility and not run from it because you think you're unworthy, unable, and unknowledgeable enough. So I'm telling you right now, as I see you're going forward, you are in the best time of your life. Now, I'm going to pray off this spirit that's on you because you can't see this. It's affecting your dreams. It's affecting how you feel. Your mood is, is, is off again, on again. And then I'm going to set you in the right circle of prophets, a prophetic community, for you to have them to support the thing that God is doing in your life because you are that man right now. And it's great that you called today because you are the man that God was talking to me about before the show. Wow. Amen. That's awesome. So where are you now? Where are we with this? What do you want me to pray for? I already told you what I had to do. I was on, you know, I did my assignment. You said, what do I want you to pray for? Yes. Uh, One, like you said, one, like you said, to to pray my my soul free. Mm -hmm. And then what you said, the other, putting me in the right circle of prophets and, um, also, I guess a, a deeper revelation of uh, prophetic destiny in my my realm as a prophet of God. Well, then I have the answers for that. And I want to say this to you, Kayvon. When you get into this realm, it will not be baby prophets. You will not be young prophets. You need to be around strong men. They 
strong prophetic men because of how God talks to you, and you need to comprehend what that means. That's the first thing you're going to do. Secondly, I'm going to play that in, and it's going to happen. Secondly, I want to tell you that um, you need to take my assessment. If you haven't taken it, just go online after the show and just hit drpaulaprice.com, and you will hit the button that says take an assessment. When you take that assessment, thank God, you'll be able to find yourself. Now, you may show up as a baby prophet because whatever this thing is, it has really blocked your ability to stretch out in this, but we'll deliver you from that. That's not a concern. When you take the uh, assessment, Kevon, what you're going to do next is uh, you'll get an uh, opportunity within a few days to schedule an appointment because every assessment comes with a 30-minute advisement with one of our advisor prophets. If you want to, and I strongly suggest that you increase your 30 minutes, you have an option of doing so because you need a lot of prophetic mediation and a lot of prophetic intervention in your life right now. You are definitely at a place where God's ready to do something new. It would seem that when January 2017 came in, the Lord dropped in your spirit that he was shifting your life and doing new things. Well, obviously, internal words have to have an external agent to act on them or activate them, and that's what the assessment will do. Once you connect with your profit advisor and you've had your post-assessment evaluation, the next 30 minutes can, can lay out what God wants you to do for him as a prophet. They're going to give you a customized program. It will be based on your assessment results, not based on what we think should or shouldn't happen. Your assessment results will tell us how to structure your readiness program. So that's the next thing. Hopefully that readiness program will be, you'll accept it uh, and then begin to engage in it so that you can get the polishing and the, the, the strength and the education you need to be powerful at this not just good. God is not looking for you to be a powerful prophesier. He needs you to be a powerful official who is occupying and discharging the prophet's office. So that is the next thing God wants for you. Then after that, I would strongly suggest that you join my collaborative, with which um, you will be able to get some information about with our prophet advisor so that you can be covered by prophets. I have a global network of prophets, a global uh, collaborative of prophets, that we are pulling in, and they're in training and all of that. Because, and I just think that the the um, the profits and our collaborative will be very good for you. And you need their handprint, and you need their prayers, and their deliverance, and discussions, and answers. You need that. And so, if you go when you finish um, taking the assessment, or before you go, you can just go to um, the website joinnear J O I N. N-E-A-R.com. Just hit that, and it's going to tell you how to become a part of my collaborative so that you are no longer prophetically alienated and isolated because those are the two things that are really the enemy is wreaking havoc in your life about. Once that goes in, you're going to, everything else is going to fall in line. It always has. You just heard this woman, and she didn't even join the collaborative, and she's like, hey, my whole life has changed. So I laid this plan out for you, which is why I do this on Thursday, so that I can touch several of you all and get you right in a point of destiny. So let me give you those websites again. The first website is drpaulaprice.com, and the second website is joinnear.com. When you join near, you can join in as a prophet or you can talk to your advisor and say, I want to be a, become a part of NEAR's global prophetic company because that's what we have. Does that make sense to you? Do you think that's something you can consider?
Did I lose you? No. Did I lose him? Huh? Can you hear me? Now I hear you. Oh, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Okay, then that is what I strongly urge you to do because you've been fighting by yourself, and I see you just boxing in the wind, and you need help. And you are a such a prophetic asset to God that God doesn't want to lose you. So we're going to do our part to catch you and establish you so that you can fulfill purpose and be meek for the master's use. Okay? Yeah. All right. Holy Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for who you are, for what you're doing, and how you're making it happen in Kavar's life. The first thing I do, God, is I come against that false prophecy, false words. I come against everything, Lord, that is trying to stranglehold your grace and your power and your ministry in his life. I command that, that bond, that hook in your soul to be disengaged. I rank it out of your being in the name of Jesus. I break it hold. I separate you from the flow, the umbilical cord of the devil that has sown that in your spirit and in your soul. I shut him down. I break that tie, and I send forth the spirit of grace and mm, to purge you from the, the, the yokes of darkness and the spirits, even the, the lying spirits and seductive spirits that have tried to tempt you into that which is not your will nor God's will concerning you. Now, God, I'm asking that you would fill that hole with your love, with your power, with your grace and your mercy. Let your Holy Spirit take over. We wash you in the blood of the Lamb. We wash you in the blood of the Lamb, and we separate you from darkness, and we put a seal over your deliverance, over that spot of your deliverance, so that you will not be repenetrated again by any means, in any way, in this life or in the world to come. We put you in the safety net of the Holy Ghost. We set this edge about you to defend you and protect you from all unrighteousness, all ungodly, all seduction, all deception that the enemy would like to launch at you, and we begin the process of grooming you to be a mighty prophet of a of the Lord Jesus Christ in this world to this generation. I decree it to be, to be so. Let it be done, and let it start today. In Jesus' name, God, I thank you. Amen and amen. Amen. I have uh, one more thing, and you might have just dealt with it. But I'll just bring it up I'll, anyway, if you don't mind, to see if you get any understanding from this, if you don't okay. mind. Uh, so the first, January 1st, the first day of this year, I uh, I went to sleep and I um, had a dream. It was actually three prophetic dreams in a row where I got three prophetic words. But one of the words that I got, and it was a word from the Lord, I, I know that for sure. Um, it said that um, within 35 days, a judgment would be made concerning your office. That's what the word said to me. What do you think that means? Or what what do you like do you get are you feeling any type of revelation on that? Did you say January first? Yeah, January first. I uh had a dream and the word of the Lord came to me saying within thirty five days a judgment would be made concerning my office. And are you talking about your prophet's office or your professional office? Um, well, it was the word of the Lord in the dream, and I'm pretty sure it's talking about the prophet's office. Well, we are now in, what's today's date? I don't even know. The, so the 35th day will be February 5th. Today's the 2nd. 
So within 35 days, I just told you about your prophet's office. Yeah, uh, well, amen. Mm-hmm. I just made the judgment call on your prophetic office. Amen. Yeah, I think so you might have just done it, but I don't want to bring it up. I'm glad you did. But now what we need you to do is to follow the path. And I just want you to understand that you're going to have to fight for this path. And, and the reason you have to fight for it is not because God doesn't want you to have it, but God wants you to be able to defend it when he releases you into it. All right. Anything else before we hang up? No. I thank you All for right. that. Okay. Well, I expect to see your name come through so, um, so we can get started with you. Amen? Yeah. Amen. All right. God bless you. We will talk soon. Have a great weekend. All right. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Prophet Ashley. Dr. Christ. I'm ready. <laughs> You're always ready. Okay, this is uh, next on the line, Lynn from Maryland, and she would like prayer for direction and finances. Lynn, welcome to the Paula Park Show. Hi, God bless you, Dr. Price. God bless you, Lynn. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I Do you remember talking to me last week? I do, and I expect yes. you to give me a positive testimony, Lynn. I um, went and looked for the medication. I spoke with my doctor, and um, they're supposed to be submitting uh, the information that needs to go over um, to get the prescription assistance. And I scheduled my prophetic advisement, and it's today. (laughs) So I did what you told me. Good for you. And you know what, Lynn? We're going to keep playing. Now, I'm going to um, allow your prophetic advisement to give you some of the answers. You are pretty much good to go. You've made some major steps toward making it happen for yourself. You know? Mm -hmm. Now, can you take me off speaker? Is that possible? no, you're not on speaker. That's my daughter. I'm sorry. I was hoping. Okay, you tell her she got to be silent. She can't interfere the Lord's work. Um, okay. So listen, but now you say you want further direction. Now, what type of direction are you looking for? What is it that the Lord is calling me to do? With? I got it. Okay, so first of all, two things I can give you a word on right now, Lynn. The first one is God is calling you to get your health in order because no matter what it is that you want to do, you have got to have the physiological fitness to get it done and to sustain it, not only so that you're not disappointed, but also that the people who believe in you and rely on you are not disappointed either. So that's the first thing. The second thing that God is telling me to tell you is that you have something that you can do from home. I'm looking at something you can do with your hands that you can either make or process. It tells me, God is telling me that you have an ability to process things administratively and clerically for other folks. You probably need to look at things like insurance, justice, medical payments, things like that, because you have an ability to, to focus your concentration even when you have a lot of distractions and even when your body is kind of out of whack. So you can do, find out what you can do from home to finance your life and believe in yourself. 
you have to believe in yourself because one of the things that holds you back, Lynn, is that you start getting this, this um, ghostly reel of criticism that plays in your head that causes self-doubt and all of those kinds of things. And so you're going to have to fight against that and believe in yourself. You are smart enough, you're brilliant enough, and you're determined enough when you make up your mind to bring in an economy in your house to what's in you. Lastly, and this I think is important, I don't know how it's going to happen, maybe you can get somebody to, uh, to scholarship you for it, but I have a series on um, the soul of success and money as a spirit. You need to hear money, the money as a spirit uh, series. I'm going to ask you to reach out into your friendship realm and your partner realm or something like that and see if we can get somebody to get you that because you, we need to recode your mind and recode your soul for success. Amen. It's called The Soul of Success? It, it is, and it's a teaching series. It's called The Soul of Success, and there are two parts to it. One is for your soul, and the other is for create, bringing the wealth and prosperity that's already hidden in your soul. Amen. That's that's one of the things I've been praying about. And you really touched on something. Yesterday I was uh, talking to the Lord, and I said, Lord, you know, I've always never pushed myself. Whenever I felt like something was too hard or I felt like maybe talked myself out of it or maybe I felt like I couldn't do it, then I just wouldn't. Like I never have pushed myself. So when you said that today, it really was speaking to a conversation that I was having with the Lord on yesterday. Well, here's what you can do. Um, we have, uh, by now, I'm sure my, my staff probably put it up online, but if not, just go to my website, drpaulaprice.com, and go to the store and see where you can get it. And if, if you don't find it there, it's okay. Just email um, um, admin at ppmglobalresources.com. Again, that's admin at ppmglobalresources.com, and tell them what it is that you need. You need the well. You have an advisor coming today. You can ask about it, but you need the Soul of Success series. And quite frankly, we have another series which I hope you'll be able to take part in called Three D, taking your life from distress to success. And it is a program, and we walk you through the distressing areas of your life and in your soul, and, and then we recode you, we train you to think differently about who you are and your right. To, so it's a wonderful process, but these are the things you need. And I'll conclude with this, Lynn. You, you know, you have a lifetime of, of defeat, self-defeat, and, and self-hatred and loathing that we've got to undo. I pray that God gives you the wherewithal to engage in these programs and processes so that within six months you will be a new you. Now, you won't be totally free, but you will be a new you. And then in 12 months, your life will be in a different course, and this downward trajectory will stop, and you'll find yourself catapulting into what you dream. You are a woman who literally dreamed yourself in other places. You dream your life in other things. You dream yourself doing things. The pictures don't ever stop, and you keep saying, why am I seeing these pictures? Because God is showing you his will, and he's also showing you that he's willing. And if you submit yourself to these processes, it will not be 12 good months before your life is in a totally different place. Amen. I will. I will do it. Okay. So then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to wrap it up and, and see what the Lord does. Is there anything else you want to discuss before we end? We've got two minutes with you before I pray. No, just for 
just for my family. Okay. Well, first of all, you're not going to stop. The one thing we're going to do is get that depressing sound out your voice. Amen? You are yes. not the, 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 the you are not the refuse of the earth. You are not dust. You are not people's dust. You're going to start talking with your upper register and, and say it because you can fight this from the inside out. And that's part of what the training is going to teach you because you need help right now. When you get on a here's what you're going to love. Do you know what you're going to love? I'll tell you right now. I'm jumping in. Hallelujah. If you are able to get on a program, it comes with your own personal intercessor. Praise God. So you will not have to fight this fight alone. Hallelujah. When you're on a program, it's part of your program support. We have a bunch of support systems, and one of them is an intercessor. And so you'll be able to get somebody who can pray with you and pray you through and, and, and whatever. Not long, but then our folks don't need long because, you know, we're sitting in that seat. But in any event, you have that. So I pray. I'm asking you, Father God, Put the resources in Lynn's hands, Lord, for her to get in these programs that she can follow them through. And, Lord, your will yes. and your vision for her can happen. I'm asking you that you bring peace in her house, peace in her home, but mostly, God, peace in her soul. Yes. So we're summoning. I'm calling, God. I'm tapping into the unseen realm of spiritual, supernal resources, and I'm calling in. The access that she needs to get in these programs to set her soul free and to liberate her life to fulfill your destiny. And I thank God, I bless you. We bless you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. I'll check in and see whoever your advisor is. I'll check in and see how you're doing later on today. Meanwhile, let's put all of this into action, okay? Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. God bless you. God bless you as well. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, Prophet Ashley, what do you think? You think I got time for a call or what? No, you don't. Hey, man. Well, let me just, how much time do we have? Because <laughs> I know uh, You have about two minutes before I need to play the music. Okay. Everybody, listen to me. If you haven't taken our assessment, please take it. What makes it unique is that it deals with your ministerial self, but, but also in, in the secondary benefit, it also deals with your psychological self and the things that are hindering your ministry. We have several programs. One of them is prophetic advisement. Another one is life advisement that you can get on that track, which is what I just recommended to Lynn. That advisement track is for all of you all who are trying to go from distress to success. You're trying to heal your soul. You need a breakthrough. If you go to my website, drpaulaprice.com, you can start the process of changing your life. Now, this is what happens. You do get the advisement. You get a coaching program. You get an advisor who walks you through it, and you get that intercessory support system so that we cover all of the bases necessary for you to be free and to liberate your life to fulfill destiny. That's what this is all about, liberating your life to fulfill your destiny. So, again, before I go, since Prophet Ashley has already told me I'm running out of time, do go to drpaulaaprice.com. 
time and start the process. If you are a prophet, if you are a five-holder, if you are a Christian, a saint, a leader who says, my goodness, I'm so tired of being alone, I definitely wish I could find my tribe, wish I could find my network, go to joinmere.com and sign up. You don't have to walk this alone. And that's what I'd like to leave you with today. Until tonight at 8 p.m. for Prophetic Ed at 8 p.m. Central Time, God bless you. Have a prosperous day. And listen, go ahead and fight for your destiny. Fight for your liberty because you deserve it. Hi, this is Dr. Paula Price thanking you for joining me on this week's show. I want to remind you that the counsel and wisdom, the prayer and prophecy that you enjoy today does not have to end with today's program. You can go to blogtalkradio.com backslash Paula Price Show and join tens of thousands of people who re-listen to my program every week. Again, blogtalkradio.com backslash Paula Price Show and you can relive the experience every single day. God bless you.